Well, good morning. Um, it has been a long time for me since I've been able to share on a Sunday. Matter of fact, I was looking, uh, I was looking at my calendar before I put this together and realized that for me it's been since July uh, of last year. Matter of fact, uh, Pastor Gus was gracious at that point, and uh, I remember I had about five, Sunday, about five Sundays there in a matter of about three months, so it was really fun, and then all of a sudden, like, you don't see me anymore. And uh, just to kind of give you a little heads up, um, uh, volunteerism has been just a little bit down uh, on Sunday morning, especially with Upstreet, so I've been taking care of a lot more uh, stuff down there. So in case you're thinking that Pastor Al Hyde, nope, just staying real, real busy um, um, downstairs. So anyways, uh, today uh, for me, as I get up and get a chance to share this morning, it's kind of a bittersweet day for me. Um, it's sweet because it's an opportunity, uh, again, for me to, to be here, and I love to be able to talk on Sunday morning. But it's also bitter because of the fact that the pastor that I got to serve underneath for seven and a half years is, uh, is no longer here. And uh, I know that's difficult, and I know for a lot of us that's going to be difficult uh, for the next few weeks, maybe months. I don't know how long. But here's what, here's what I do know, and I, and I do know that God has a plan for this church. I know God has a plan for his church, and, and it's a great plan. I do know that, and I do know that in the weeks and months to come, however long it takes, that Pastor Chuck and I will, will be here, you know, as long as God keeps us here, we'll be here at filling in, doing the best we can every, every week, and all I just want to do is ask you in the meantime just to pray, just to pray for your church, pray for your leaders, and watch God do um, what, what God's going to what God's going to do, and I really think it's going to be something awesome. And uh, this morning, I, I, what I have to share with you, I'm, I, I want to maybe apologize a little up front. It's really got nothing to do with this transition, everything that's going on right now, but rather it's something that I feel like God's been speaking to me about and kind of stirring around in my heart the past few months. And it's something I think we all can relate to, we can all deal with, whether we sit here today, this morning, and whether we're a follower of Christ or not, I really think that we can all relate to this. Let me start by asking you a question this morning. The question is simply this. How many of you feel like you just don't have enough time? Right? How many of you feel that you don't have enough time to spend with your spouse, with your family, with all of that? How many of you feel that, that that's, that's kind of where you're at? You know, it's just... It's just a lot to do, isn't there? You know, for me, one of the things that I've always liked, I've always prided myself on, and I like to believe that I'm pretty good at it, is things like organization, time management, things like that. I like to believe that I'm pretty good at that. Matter of fact, when I was in college, I thought I was really good at that. I was the guy who, when you had a paper due at the end of the semester, the spring semester, I was the one out enjoying the spring because my friends, they weren't, they were all writing their papers at the last minute. So I was the one that was always on top, of, on top of things. Then I had a couple kids and, and got married, got a job, and, and things got a little bit more difficult. And now, four kids later, one on the verge of junior high, and things are becoming extremely more difficult than they used to be, right? I mean, that's <laughs> part of life. So I guess the question is, you know, as a husband, as a father... As a pastor, what do you do with all that? What do you do when family and work collide? 
What do you do about that? You saw the little video this morning. That's what we're going to talk about today. And what I want to ask you to do is, if you can, I'd like you to turn to Daniel chapter 1. If you have your Bible with you, great. If you've got your Bible on your iPad or your uh, iPod or whatever phone, grab that out. If you don't have it, we'll put some verses up here on the screen too as well. But that's exactly what I'd like to to talk with you um, about this morning. And the title that I have for this morning is uh, Choosing the Cheat. And he's like saying, you're not supposed to cheat, right? Well, we're going to talk about that. Before we read these verses this morning, I just kind of want to give you a little background to kind of what's taking place into what we're going to read today. In 6, 605 B.C., uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, and the, it was king of Babylon, came to Israel. And pretty much, we know, it pretty much destroyed everything. He also came to Jerusalem, the capital city. And as it was custom, he took the best and the brightest of the, of, the, of the captives and he took them back to Babylon with him. And when they had them there, they would do this so they could take away their culture and they could replace it with the Babylonian culture. And then what they would do is they would take the, the best and they would train on the best and the brightest to serve the king. And sometimes what they would do then is they would send these guys back to their homeland to rule as a servant for the king. Now four of the men that he brought were very famous men, and you probably know them. Again, maybe you grew up in church, maybe you didn't. You probably still know them. They go by the names of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And that's where our story begins this morning. So if you'd like to go ahead and read with me, uh, we're going to just look at this. Verse 3. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of the court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Among those were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, the chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and the wine. So here's the situation. Daniel, we know he's in a foreign culture, probably a teenager, anywhere from 13 to 17 years old. His family's probably dead. He's been marched across the desert, and now he's a slave. They've given him a different name, probably a haircut, different clothes, taught him a different language, given him different literature to learn. And for some reason, we don't know, but Daniel draws a line in the sand, and he says, this is as far as I'm going to go. You've taken everything Hebrew away from me, but the one thing that you will not take away from me is my commitment to God. And so in that culture, we know that the food that was offered to the king was first offered to the idols, and the king's family basically got the leftovers. And the idea behind it was whoever ate this food or drank of this wine was participating in the strength and the wisdom of the gods. So Daniel, again, in his teenage mind, decides, there's no way I'm going to cross that line. I'm not going to defile myself. And so here's the dilemma. Can't have it both ways. He can either do what he feels that God would have him to do, or he can do what the king wants him to do. 
He could either say, God, I know I'm not supposed to eat it, but I'm going to eat it, and later on I'm going to ask for forgiveness. Or he could obey God and hope that the king was gracious. Which way do you think he would go? You know, most of us probably would rather just go ahead and obey the king, right, and avoid the immediate consequence, which to him was probably going to be put to death. Whereas there may not be an immediate consequence right away with God. And so here's Daniel's dilemma. He's going to have to cheat one of them out of the loyalty that they believe he deserves. He was going to either have to cheat God by obeying the king, or he's going to have to cheat the king by obeying God. And this morning, I want to share with you a principle that I believe is transformational in the life of your family or in the life of your marriage. Because see, whether we recognize it or not, we find ourselves daily in the same situation that Daniel found himself in. And it's not about where we're going to eat, but it's about how we're going to spend our time. See, we we will use our time, will we use our time as a way to honor our family, or are we going to use our time as a way to honor our job, our hobby, any kind of outside recreation. All of us, by nature of how we spend our time, cheat somebody. Now let me see if I could just maybe take just a little pressure off this morning. You know, some of you this morning believe that the reason why you don't get everything done is because of the fact that you're just not disciplined or you're just not good with schedules. It's not it. Here's the problem, right? And we all know this. It's just not enough time, right? There is too much to do, and there's just too little time to do it. For example, if you went to your job tomorrow morning, Monday morning, and you were to sit down, and you were to begin calculating all the hours that you would need to, to, to be the best at what you do, to take, care of, take advantage of every opportunity to maybe get that promotion that you were looking for, by the time you got done calculating, you know what you would realize? Most of you would never go home. And the same is true when we get home, is it not? That if we begin taking a look at our time at home and how we spend our time and, and, and what we need to get done and how we need to spend time with our, our spouse and, 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 and make sure our kids are happy, right? And they're never happy all the time because they always want to play and so they always want your time. And that's all right. But if we took a look at all that, we would realize for some of us, we'd have very few hours left to spend at work. And you know what? We haven't even talked about exercise or recreation or all the other different things that are good as well. You know, there's just not enough time. So consequently, all of us, we need to cheat. All of us have to decide, as much as I want to do that over there, I'm going to do this over here. All of us cheat. All of us have to cheat. And so here's the question for you this morning. This is kind of the bottom line this morning. In your life, who are you cheating? Where are you cheating? Who, maybe a little bit more convicting of a question, who feels cheated? Specifically in your family. Let me make a prediction. For most of us, I would bet it's not our employer. If you're a stay-at-home mom, I would predict it's probably not your children that feel cheated. 
maybe somebody else in your home, and if they were honest, maybe they would tell you. But we're all cheating somewhere, and we're all cheating someone. And here's the deal we do with God. Again, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, you know this. We talk to God a little bit like this. God, I really know I need to be giving more time to this, but, but I can't. So would you just fill, please fill in the gaps over here so I could do what I need to over here? Or God, you know that I've got to do this with my work. You know I've got to do this with my kids. You know I've got to do this recreation. You know I love my family. But I'm asking you, again, to pour out your grace over here while I do this over here. And, oh, God, please help them to understand. And so here's the problem with that. When we ask our family to try to understand, you know, Daddy's just so busy today. Here's what we're communicating to them. You're important, but that's more important. Please understand. You know, I'm sorry that I can't make that game. I'm sorry that we can't take that trip. But this is really, really, really important. We may tell them they're more more important, but that's not the way it's processed. Let me give you another example. Do you know what this is like? Oh, here's my bucket. You know what this is like? This is just... a this is a bucket of rocks, okay? And if you know anything, it's kind of heavy after a while. But do you know what this is like? This is like me asking my wife, hey, would you come over here and would you just hold this for a while? And if I asked her to do it, she would do it, and her mental willingness would allow her to do that. But do you know what would happen after a while? After a while, her physical weakness would overcome her mental willingness. And you know what she would do eventually? She'd drop it. And at that moment when I hear that bucket drop, you know what I would probably do? What happened? And I would focus exclusively on that moment when she dropped that bucket of rocks. But you know what? It's got nothing to do with the moment, does it? It's got rather to do with the process, everything that's led up to that moment. It's not that she didn't want to hold it. It's just that she couldn't do it anymore. And so what happens when, when that happens, you know, we kind of communicate. This is kind of when we ask our family just to understand a little bit more. This is kind of what it sounds like to them. You know, just, just hold on a little bit longer. That vacation that we're taking, it's coming. Or, or honey, please, just hold on just a little bit longer. I'm, a, I'm, I'm almost going to get that deal, that promotion, and everything we talk. It's, it's coming. It's so quick. Or honey, you know what? The kids... They're going to be gone pretty soon, right? They're going to be moved down. And then I'm going to give you all the time that you need. And you know what? Because our family is so, so wonderful, do you know what they're going to do? They're going to continue to try and try and hold that bucket until they just can't do it anymore. You know what I believe? I believe that when we honor God, with our priorities, and we do things right the way that God wants us to do, I believe that God will bless us in that arena, and he'll bless us in that one as well. But if we get the two of them mixed up and backwards, nobody wins, do they? How do I enjoy my successes at work when I've caused so much stress already at home? And you know what that sounds like then? This is what it sounds like then. We have, you and I, we have an awkward conversation. 
Al, you know what? My wife, she came home the other day from, from work. She said she just didn't want to be married anymore. I don't know what happened. Or my son, you know what? I came home from work the other day and I found out and he's pulling a couple laughs and all of a sudden he's got these friends that I didn't realize were that bad of an influence and man, everything, everything was fine yesterday. I don't, I don't know what happened. And so in this room this morning, we have husbands and wives and children who are willing but they're saying, I just don't know how much longer I can do it. I just don't. And so the moral of the story is this. We need to learn to cheat in the right places. And you know what? The home is never the right place to cheat. Let me talk to guys first this morning. Guys, most of us cheat at home so we could have more time at work. And you know what? We do it because our wives are so amazing and they're great at holding everything together. And the reason we economize in our marriage instead of at work for most of us is, begin because there's no instant consequence at home. You know, Pastor Al, if I economize at work, I may not make as much money. I might not be recognized. I might miss the bonus. But if I economize at home, sometimes it doesn't even seem like it's really that big of a deal. And so the temptation is to ask God again to fill in the gaps at home so that I can do what I need to at work. So men, we need to learn to cheat at work. Quit cheating at home because you have to cheat somewhere. We need to quit taking advantage of the loyalty of our family for people who are less loyal to us. Ladies, we need to learn to cheat at work and not at home. I can, let me just push you just a little bit here real quick. Some of you, and listen, just listen to me out, okay? Some of you work full-time outside your home, and you just need to quit your job and go home. Now, I, listen to me. I, I'm not insensitive. I'm not chauvinistic, okay? I've just seen some families suffer where moms aren't there. And I, again, I'm not against women working. My wife's a full-time nurse. But some of us, and we know who we are, might just need to go home. Some of us are trading what's most valuable in our lives for dollars. You know, you love your husband, you love your children, but you're asking them to keep giving you more and more time and to understand and until eventually, again, their emotional weakness exceeds their mental willingness, and you're going to hear the crash, the boom. Maybe for some of you ladies, you need a different job. Maybe one that's a little bit less demanding. Some of us might need to take a financial pay cut. But you need to do what you have to do to quit cheating at home and learn to cheat at work. Some of you ladies might be a stay-at-home mom and you're cheating your husband for the sake of cheating your children. Maybe it's the way that you were raised. Maybe it's because your husband doesn't come home on time often and you're just mad at him. And so consequently, your focus becomes your kids and your husband feel cheated. If I can, let me just share a truth with you that I am so convinced about that I would die over. The greatest gift that you can give your children is a healthy marriage. 
the greatest gift that you can give your children is a healthy marriage. And if it comes down to you, listen, if it comes down to you cheating your kids for the sake of cheating your husband, cheat your kids for the sake of your marriage. Sorry, kids. But, but here's why, and this is why. Again, I'm, I'm just finishing up now 15 years of doing youth ministry, and I'm convinced of this as much as I've ever been before, more than I used to, even when I started off. But your marriage will determine the personal security of your children. Your marriage will determine the personal security of your children. And and more than well-educated kids, which a lot of us want, you know what you want? You want secure kids. Personal security is that thing that helps them to say no to drugs or no to the wrong kinds of friends and have healthy interpersonal relationships with other people and eventually one day their spouse. The greatest gift that you can give to your children is a healthy marriage. And so the question for us today, again, who are you cheating? Where are you cheating? And who in your life feels cheated? You owe it to yourself, to your family, to answer that question. You know, in the book of Daniel that we read, there are three things that come out of the book of Daniel that I believe are incredible application to us as we look at this principle. And the first one is this, and we've already read it. But before Daniel knew how his life was going to end up, before he knew if he would even survive, the Bible says that Daniel made up his mind. He made up his mind. He decided up front, I will not cheat my heavenly father for pleasing a pagan king. I won't do it. I'm not sure how things are going to look. I'm not sure how that's going to happen, but I won't do it. Let me tell you where this starts for you and for me this morning. It starts that as a leader in my home that I decide, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I have decided that I will not cheat my family, period, end of story. I won't do it. Then we'll talk about the details. Will it be easy? Absolutely not. But God will hear you. And I've heard stories, and I'm sure that you have too. I've heard stories of many people whose lives have been turned out better because of the fact that ahead of time they made up their mind that I'm going to be a husband, I'm going to be a wife, I'm going to be a parent. That that's what God's called me to do. Before I determine the how, I'm going to determine the what. I will not cheat my family. And the second thing is this, and it comes out of that story, and I hope you're still in Daniel chapter 1. And it's the part, this is the part of the story for most of us, even for myself, that we just cannot factor in. This is what makes this principle so, so confusing. Let's look again what happens after Daniel makes up his mind in verse 8. I'm going to read that to you. It's not up on the screen. I left this one out. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. So basically what happens, Daniel goes to the prison officials and basically says, you know, can I just be an exception to the rule? Imagine the fear going into that conversation. And then in verse 9, pay attention to this. Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. 
Look at the first two words. Now God. Did you get that? Now God. Listen, here's the thing that you cannot factor in until the very, very end. You might say, you know, Pastor Al, you don't understand my situation, to which I would say, you're right, I don't understand that, but here's what I do understand. Now, God. When you finally decide to order your life, your family, your marriage, the way that God had ordered it, you have no idea what God is capable and willing to do in your situation. And what it comes down to is this, you know what? God, I'm going to be faithful in this arena like you call me to be, and I'm going to trust you to fill in the gaps in that other area. Now, God. What you don't, what you don't know is what God is able to do in this arena once you get your priorities straight. I'll bet, you can hold me to it if you want, I'll bet that God will enable you to get more done than before. I'll bet for some of you that you will actually enjoy coming home after work. And for others of you, God's going to give you that new job, one that's going to work better for your family. Now, God, do you know what I want more than anything for all of you, whether whether we know each other or not? I want all of you to experience the goodness, the grace, the power of God in this area, in that area as well. But it doesn't happen if we cheat in the wrong places and we operate like things won't succeed if I'm not in control. Do you want to spend the rest of your life only knowing what you're capable of? Do you want to spend the rest of your life kind of not knowing where God is able to do? Or wouldn't it be exciting to see, wouldn't it be exciting to see what God's able to do? You know, the last thing that comes out of these verses, very practical, we're going to read a few extra verses, verse 9 through 19, and again, they're on the screen. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow along. Let me read 9 again one more time. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the rest of the young men your age? The king then would have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please tell your servants, please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing to eat but vegetables and water to drink. Then to compare our appearance with those of the young men who eat at the royal food and treat your servants in according with what you see. So he agreed and he tested them this for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And at the end of the time set forth by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. The third thing here is this. 
God, we're going to put you to the test. And, I, I, and you know what? And I know the pushback right away, Al, you don't understand. <laughs> you don't work in the business world like, like I do. And here's what I would say to you. Why not put God to the test? Why not give him a month, 30 days, and cheat at work so you can invest a little bit more at home? And then at the end of 30 days, evaluate and do it. I dare you. And if you do this, that's where incredible things are going to happen, and that's where it's going to happen. It's not going to happen because of luck, because we are talking about God here, right? And God honors those who honor him. Where would you like to have him more? Would you like to have him at work more? Would you like to have him at home more? My guess is you'd probably like to have him both places equally, wouldn't you? Here's the deal then. Do what you need to at home, and then do whatever else you can at work and trust him to fill in the gaps. But I want to challenge you to give him a month. Schedule your family in a way that honors him. And for some of you, I know... You're going to have to go to your boss and you're going to say, you know, boss, just, just for a month, I'm going to do this, this different type of schedule and do a little experiment. And you know, he may not give you 30 days. He might give you 10 days. He might give you a week. But you ask him to try and then evaluate your progress and see what's done. Josh, can you come up and Josh is going to give me a hand? You know, for me, I made a decision. Uh, I made a decision a long time ago. When, when Lana and I first started off in ministry, I made a decision that every day, every week when my day off comes, I'm going to take it. That I was never going to bring home work at nighttime. And I was going to be out as least amount of nights as possible when I had kids. I was just going to do that. And I was going to be successful as a pastor as that allows me to be. You know, I, I, I've, known such, I've known some churches where they expect their pastor to work 50 whatever hours a week or something like that, and I just decided I wasn't going to do that. I know some of you might be thinking, you sound pretty lazy. I mean, everybody works 50 hours a week, don't they? You know what? I know what I'm capable of. I'd like to see what God's capable of. You know, I don't want to build a church. I don't want to build a ministry that's built on my busyness or me having to be at everything that happens. I don't want to do that. I've seen that story. I've seen pastors build churches and, and, and grow ministries and all that stuff. And, and they build a great church. But in the end, they lose their family. So again, here's the question for you today. Where are you cheating? Because you are cheating. Who are you cheating? Who feels cheated? And are you willing, I guess a little bit tougher here, are you willing to sit around the table and have that difficult discussion where everybody gets to say, yeah, I feel cheated. I feel like, Dad, I feel like work is more important. My, I feel like, I feel like, you know, the kids are more important. I feel like golf's more important. Whatever, I love golf, by the way. Um, but I feel like all this stuff is, is more important. Are you ready for that? And then, are you ready to make up your mind? 
Are you ready to make up your mind and you say, you know what, I am, we're not going to schedule our family that way anymore. I refuse to cheat my family. I refuse to cheat my spouse. I refuse to cheat my kids. And then are you ready for the now God moments when they happen? And if you need to, are you willing to take a test? Are you willing to give it a try and honor God with your life, your priorities, the way you schedule everything, and then watch God as He do something incredible with your family? Are you willing to? So who are you cheating? Where are you cheating? Who feels cheated? You know, like I said at the beginning, and I'm sure this is nothing new, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, but as I've gotten older and as, as I've added kids and as I've, they've gotten older and they bring all their stuff with to the table too and different jobs arise and next thing you know, you're, you know, you're not the low guy to totem pole, you're a little bit further up and jobs change and all that stuff comes on and life just gets all busy. I know that. It gets harder and harder and harder to balance life. It's just not enough time. so I guess the question for us again is where we need to make some changes and I just want to if I can I want to just close us I just want to close the, the service just, just with a word of prayer and then we can all be on our way but I'd encourage you to have that difficult discussion at home and ask the question get everybody around the table and you'd be surprised at what you might actually hear from others can we pray together? Would you stand with me and, and let's just pray? God, I thank you so much for my marriage, for my family, for my kids, all this great stuff that you have given to me and you've given to many of us who are here tonight or this morning. God, you have blessed us with that more than we can even imagine. Thank you so much again for providing for our needs by offering us and giving us a job in which we can provide, whether that's just one of us working and, 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 and one of us can be lucky enough to stay at home with the kids or whether we both have to work to make that happen. Thank you so much for giving us what we need. But God, when we start to balance the two of these things out, it's very, very difficult. Once we start adding more and other things to our life that are important, it just becomes harder. God, I pray that you would help each one of us to have that difficult discussion with our kids, with our spouse, with our family, where we begin to ask who feels cheated. And help us to, to order our lives, order our schedules, order our priorities in a way that honors you. Show us how, God, it's possible to cheat at work so we can spend more time at home. And as we do that, I don't know what that's going to look like. God, it's the part that I can't factor into what's going to happen, but I'm going to stand here and I'm going to believe and I'm going to trust, God, that you are going to provide in both arenas. God, your plan will be done. God, give us the strength. Give us the wisdom that we need. God, to love our families. 
God, I just ask today as you've given us this time, we pray that the things that we've talked about, the things that we've sang about, whatever it is, God, that you would take these things and you would bury them within our hearts. You would help us to meditate on them today as we go forth throughout this week. Again, I ask for a special blessing upon each home that's represented here today. Thank you, God. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.